This is Dr. Jimmy Nichols, equine nutritionist. On this podcast, we will explore unique cases, debunk popular myths, and break down advanced research data. Join me for a little fun, a lot of science, and some real-world advice for feeding horses. Hey everyone, it's Dr. Jimmy. First of all, I want to say thank you to all of you that have reached out and shared such absolutely kind words regarding this podcast. Um, I mean, it really does give me the incentive to keep moving forward with this podcast. So I I just want to say that I truly appreciate everyone's kind words and encouragement um, to keep me going. Uh, I also want to thank those of you who have been submitting questions and different topic ideas. Um, There have been some really good questions come in. And I am going to do my absolute best to get to all of them um, in a timely manner. So, you know, the the cadence for this particular podcast is is typically a once a week episode. Um, I've had enough listener questions come in that I may have to try to do a couple of episodes a week to kind of get caught up and not keep, you know, leave you guys hanging for weeks at a time without getting your questions answered. So. Um, and again, you know, I, I want to encourage you guys to continue to submit those questions and those ideas and those topics that maybe um, you have been wondering about or that you've been spending hours searching Dr. Google about and um, maybe you want just a, a someone else's take on it. And I'd, I'd be happy to turn that into an episode um, because I'm sure that there are other people out there that probably have the same question. So... Um, For today's episode, I'm actually going to take um, a slightly different approach um, than what I normally do. So I'm going to be addressing a particular listener question, but I'm going to do it by actually um, paraphrasing my very good friend, mentor, and colleague, Dr. Bill Vandergrift. So Dr. Bill and I work um, very closely together. We are the two equine nutritionists um, for Stride Animal Health. So between he and I, um, we are the ones that have formulated and developed and are the support mechanism behind the products in the Stride Animal Health line. Um, In my opinion, Dr. Bill is one of, if not the best, equine nutritionist in the country. Um, I mean, I literally count my blessings every day that our paths met and that I've had the opportunity to really get to know him personally, but then more importantly, learn from him professionally. I mean, he has, you know, his his list of credentials goes on and on. I mean, he has consulted for world-class horses in multiple disciplines. Um, I think that he has actually consulted for horses on basically every continent except Antarctica. I mean, he he, you know, then to top it off, he actually he has experience in um in academia. So he was a professor at one point. He has experience in the industry. Um, He actually uh, worked for um, a large feed company. Um, And then finally, you know, he's, he has spent um, the last part of his career uh, working as an independent nutrition consultant. Um, And so in that realm, um, he actually travels um, over to Japan. Um, I think it's two or three, maybe even four times a year um, to consult for race horses over there. Um, he consults for a, a national um, brand equine feed line um, and is the nutritionist for them. Um, so he just, he has a lot of experience um, and a, a lot of things that can provide a lot of, of value to 
to me and to you guys. So um, I do, I plan to get him on as a guest in some future episodes. Um, but in this particular situation, um, I'm actually going to kind of use um, a case that he was working on um, with one of our nutritional consultants. And in that particular case, um, the question kept coming up where um, this particular client was, I mean, she was literally about to drive herself off a cliff trying to figure out um, the best diet for her horse because she was trying to find something that was low in iron. And she had started out, you know, getting her hay tested, um, wanted to understand what the iron content was in that hay, which is the appropriate step. And then she was searching for feeds that would complement that hay, but not add any extra iron. Um, and so she was trying to go about this on her own. And um, she kind of just ran into a roadblock and started getting frustrated because I don't know how many of you have actually had your hay tested and looked at the iron content in hay or in your grasses, but it's very, very, very high. And so it's difficult to actually create a diet for horses that is, quote, low in iron, okay? So um, that was kind of how the paths crossed um, with Dr. Bill and one of our nutrition consultants and this client. Um, and so they kind of, they, they got together and, and they worked with this client and they talked this client kind of through the rationale of, you know, when it is appropriate to be concerned about iron content in the diet and then when it's not. So, um, I guess I'll, I'll dive in by, um, just kind of basically leaning on the experience that they had with this client, not necessarily, um, you know, my own experience. So, you know, the, the topic of iron levels and insulin resistance, um, has been around for a few years now. And unfortunately, um, there's, 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 there's now a lot of misunderstanding around that topic. Um, and, and that's creating a lot of people, um, being worried and scared when they don't really have to be. Okay. So here's the deal. So when a horse becomes insulin resistant, they begin to increase the body's iron storage levels. Okay. That then further exacerbates insulin resistance. Okay. Now there's, there's a little bit of debate on this concept. Um, but the problem is that, you know, this particular phenomena appears to be, um, independent of dietary iron intake, but you know, most people don't actually understand that. So what they do is just become completely obsessed with trying to reduce iron intake. Okay. So if they see iron on a feed tag, uh, regardless if it's high or low, they just assume that that feed is going to cause their horse to either become insulin resistant or it's going to make the insulin resistance worse. Okay. And then they will argue that the iron levels in their area are already high. So they're, you know, they want to tell us, you know, we want something that, that has no iron in it, a feed product with no iron. Okay. The thing that they fail to realize is that iron is quote high almost everywhere. Okay. Forage is very high in iron and horses have evolved consuming much more iron than they require without any ill effects. Okay. So, you know, kind of <laughs> what, what happened is there's, there's, um, 
a particular paper that was published on um, iron levels and insulin resistance. And this is kind of what started this almost mass hysteria um, when, you know, it stated that, that, um, so if you look at the paper, it actually says that when iron is correctly balanced with other trace minerals, so specifically, you know, copper, zinc, manganese, okay, then the effects of high iron in the body on insulin resistance were reduced, okay? But, you know, many horse owners, um, you know, don't understand uh, nutrient or mineral balance, so they don't pay attention to the fact that, you know, most quality commercial horse feeds um, are are balanced in regards to those minerals, okay? So, you know, the, the I guess uh, I'm kind of, let me, let me circle this back around, okay? So basically, iron intake levels um, actually appear to be independent of elevated iron stores, okay? So in other words, the amount of iron that a horse consumes from the diet is not directly correlated to the amount of iron stored within the body. Okay? So just because a horse eats a lot of iron doesn't mean that their body is going to store a lot of iron, okay? Now, for the insulin resistant horse, it's a it's this this is where things get a little bit tricky and scientists are continuing to search for a way um, to reduce stored iron levels within the horse's body um, in hopes of reducing the negative effect of, of insulin resistance. Um, but to date, the only method that actually successfully reduces stored iron levels in a horse is to actually bleed the horse. So, I mean, the very same way that a person with hemochromatosis um, it's the same thing, okay? So I actually, I happen to know about this firsthand because my husband um, has hemochromatosis and he must routinely go in and give blood in order to keep his iron levels in check. So every time he gives blood, the stored iron in his body is used to replace the lost red blood cells that he gave away whenever they drew the blood from him. Um, so that process can actually be used in insulin resistant horses, uh, and it produces, I mean, almost immediate results in correcting that level of stored iron. So it, you know, right now that's definitely the best way to handle it if you have an insulin resistant horse. Um, so, you know, I guess to further address the question of iron overload from the diet, okay, if you have a normal horse, meaning no insulin resistance. If you have a normal horse that is consuming a properly balanced diet, okay, so the proper amounts and ratios of minerals, I am almost never concerned about the amount of iron that's coming from the diet. Now, that's assuming that all of the iron is naturally occurring, okay? When I say naturally occurring, what I mean is that that iron is coming from the forage or from the base ingredients in the feed, okay? Now, I do not like to see added iron in the diet, okay? So how do you know if there's added iron in the diet? Um, if you go look at um, the tag or the label on the feed or the supplement that you're using, go to the ingredients listing, look under the ingredients. I, I don't ever wanna see the words iron oxide in the ingredients list, okay? Um, you know, so basically if you're seeing the word iron 
anywhere. Um, iron or ferrous. So ferrous sulfate is another one. If you're seeing iron or ferrous in the ingredients list, that, that would mean that that particular feed or that supplement is actually adding um, extra iron into that product. And I typically will try to avoid that just because um, there's so much naturally occurring in the diet. There's really no reason to add that extra iron on top of that. Now, if you truly have an insulin resistant horse, okay, insulin resistance, it, it basically alters the way that iron is metabolized by the body. So it's not a question of absorption. It's, it's more a matter of metabolism of the iron. Okay. So the mechanisms that uh, regulate the iron absorption are, they're still in place. It's just the problem is with how that iron is metabolized, which then in turn, um, it basically allows more iron to be absorbed um, in the body when, you know, it otherwise wouldn't be because the body doesn't it's like the body doesn't recognize that it already has more iron than it needs. So it just keeps storing, keeps storing and keeps storing. Okay. So keep in mind that only occurs in, or it seems it appears to be only linked to insulin resistance. So this is why bleeding is really the only method that's currently available um, to truly reduce the metabolic iron levels um, in a horse. Okay. So the take home message here, um, there's, there's a handful of points. Okay. So number one, uh, excess metabolic iron is an effect of insulin resistance. It is not the cause of insulin resistance. So in other words, if you have a normal horse and the, that normal horse's diet has a lot of iron coming from the forage or the grain, whatever, if you're, if you have a normal horse without insulin resistance, by feeding that horse a lot of extra iron, it's not going to cause him to develop insulin resistance. Okay. Now, if that horse has insulin resistance, okay, the insulin resistance itself will cause the horse to then accumulate more iron within the body and store more iron within the body than it should. Okay. I hope that's clear. Um, the, you know, so, so basically dietary iron intake has very little effect on excess metabolic iron storage levels. Okay. Um, it, it's, it's a metabolic issue that's related to insulin resistance. It's not a dietary issue. Okay. So what do you, what do you need to do? You know, third point, ensure that the trace minerals are correctly balanced in the feed or the diet that you're giving to your horse. And that can actually help reduce the negative effects of, um, having excess iron, uh, within the body stored within the body. Um, you know, again, if your horse is not insulin resistant, he will be able to regulate those iron levels in his body, regardless of how much dietary iron he, he eats. So there is nothing to be concerned about for a normal horse. Um, I mean, horses have been consuming more iron than they need since before recorded history. All right. You're not going to mess your horse up. I promise. <laughs> um, now, again, if your horse is insulin resistance, is insulin resistant, you then um, need to, to really emphasize the dietary and the medical management to reduce the effects of insulin resistance. And when you do that, then your metabolic iron levels um, will start to take care of themselves. So if you have a horse with insulin resistance, um, you have a couple of good options when it comes to feeding. Um, 
If your horse is in intense work or is a little bit maybe underweight, so meaning you, you kind of need to provide some calories to keep this horse at the appropriate body condition, um, I recommend using a feed from Blue Bonnet Feeds called Intensify X-Factor Low Starch. Um, you know, it's that's that's a very good feed. It has the low starch, low sugar levels. Um, it's balanced with your trace minerals. Um, it's it's a really good option. Now, if your horse is, let's say your horse is insulin resistant and your horse is not being worked or ridden, and this horse is a very easy keeper, okay, meaning you don't need to provide a bunch of extra calories from a grain, um, you do still need to provide the proper uh, balances of your trace minerals. And in that situation, I recommend using a product um, from Stride Animal Health called 101 Diet Balancer. And I'll be sure to drop the links to both of those products in the show notes so that you guys can go check those out um, for yourself. So I hope that you guys all found this interesting. Um, I hope that it helped maybe clear up um, those of you that were beginning to get concerned about iron in the diet. Um, I think that, you know, the internet can be a dangerous place because, you know, just like in this situation, you know, the studies and the papers that have been published around iron overload are all essentially related to horses that have insulin resistance. Um, and so people are not connecting those dots and people are just starting to get worried about iron for horses that are normal and not dealing with this particular disease process. So if you have a normal horse, rest assured, you don't have to fret and worry yourself to death over how much iron is in the diet. Um, and Again, I just want to encourage you all, if you have questions that you would like addressed on an episode, drop me a voice message here through the podcast app um, or shoot us an email. And that email address is info at acbluebonnet.com. Again, I really appreciate you guys listening and please go tell a friend. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Feed Room Chemist. If you like what you hear, be sure to share with your friends, post to social media, or give us a review. And as Winston Churchill used to say, no hour of life is wasted that is spent in the saddle. So go saddle up.